Rush on the links. In your life have you seen anything like that? Is it his time? Yes! And Ron Rex! Another one is landed! At the 72nd hole, this time for Ron! Now on the team, your host from Anaheim, California, Trent Rush and Nico Bellini. Hey, what's happening? Welcome to Rush on the Links, episode number 10. My name is Trent Rush. We'll have Nico Bellini with us coming up in just a moment. One of the great golfers. Uh, one, if you ever get a chance to play with Nico, uh, just don't bet with him. You're going to lose. That is just going to happen when you play with Nico Bellini, one of the great golfers in the history of Orange County amateur golf. We're excited to have him, as always, here on the show. It's a real treat uh, having Nico. I wanted to go over a couple of things with you. Uh, I know that it has been a minute since we've had a chance to post a podcast. and uh, For one, I apologize for that, but also, uh, there's been a lot happening. One, uh, in the meantime, I have since added to my family. We had a child, beautiful Lillian May Rush was born on November the 26th. So uh, that has been uh, taking up a lot of my nights and also uh, destroying my handicap over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, it's been hard to play at all, but that's okay. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. You've been there. Uh, but uh, we're going to get to that. If you haven't, uh, trust me, then I'll have tips for you uh, on trying to maintain your golf game when it's hard to get that kind of practice in. Maybe that's something that we can talk about uh, moving forward on the show. Um, there were a lot of great things that happened in November that we didn't have a chance to share with you on the podcast, but we have that available here, including my buddy Sam from Cut Golf. We're going to have that for you uh, coming up in just a moment here. I want to share that conversation because he came in studio, brought his family, and it was just really fun hanging out and learning more about the golf ball. I think that's something that we maybe take for granted. And I know for me, it, you know, finding the right ball for you is really important. Like, for example, I played over uh, after a rainy day the other day, and I was playing with a Chrome Soft. And, like, the Chrome Soft was a super popular ball, obviously a controversial ball when Phil Mickelson wasn't thrilled with it, and he, he had tweaks made to it and whatnot. Um, and, and I've determined that that's a summertime ball. Because I play with that in the wintertime when it's a little soft out there, and it, it's just too soft for me. I lose too much distance playing that. And, I, I you know, I hit the ball okay. And for me, I, I'm usually not that worried about distance off the tee. But when I, when I start losing like 6 to 10 yards on a golf ball, that ends up being a bit of a concern. Maybe that does have something to do with me not playing as much right now. Uh, but uh, ultimately, like, figuring out the right golf ball for you is an important thing because I have always been somebody that really values soft overall because, you know, I, I'm not as great at going into greens. Um, I'm okay sacrificing a little bit of distance if I can get a little bit better feel, if I can get a little bit more spin on the green. So I, I've always kind of preferred a softer ball, but I think that there is a point where you get too soft. Finding the right golf ball for you is really important. So we're going to have Sam from Cut Golf um, explain some of those things, tell us about his uh, product there at Cut Golf as well. I think it's a really cool brand, and I think that it's uh, it's a niche. I think it's a little unique, but it's also available everywhere. So um, pretty unique, the story of uh, Cut Golf. We're going to have that for you Uh coming up in a bit. Also, want to let you know about this. So moving forward, the West Coast Swing, obviously coming to Southern California. Uh, we're going to be in Honolulu for the Sony Open, so we're going to have some sound from that. We are going to do a live show from the American Express at PGA West. We're going to be broadcasting from the Farmers Insurance Open down at Torrey Pines. We're going to be broadcasting from Riviera when the Genesis Open comes to LA. A lot of exciting things happening with Rush on the Links moving forward, especially with those Southern California events. Uh, we're going to be at those. And, and come on 
by. If you're if you're at one of those tournaments, come on by, say hello. We'd love to meet you and uh, continue to share our love for golf because that's what this really is all about. So without further ado, let's welcome in Sam Uproposorn, the founder of Cut Golf. First of all, Sam, a fellow Chapman Panther, which excites me uh, to see you here in the house, and uh, it's fun to have you on the show. How are you? Good to see you. Hey, good to see you as well. Thanks for having me on the show today. All right, so we have. I've been wanting to talk. Nico, Nico knows this because I've been texting him a lot over the last couple of weeks. I've been really wanting to spend some time talking about golf balls on the show. And like, so when we talked on the phone yesterday, I'm like, this is perfect. Like, we'll finally get a chance to do this because I think that your product in particular. And full disclosure, I haven't hit any cut golf balls yet. I want to, but I, I just haven't yet. So I'm going to take your word for it. But I just think it's a it's a really interesting product that you guys are putting out a tour caliber ball, a very high level golf ball for a really reasonable price. Because hey, you want to go play Pro V ones all the time? It's going to be really expensive to go do that. So my thought was, how much of that kind of weighed into when you were starting? cut golf and just kind of getting into the golf scene a lot i mean i've got i'm just no different than most of the guys listening to the show today i've got three kids a wife at home right i'm not a sponsored tour guy so when you're pumping six balls into the shrubs at strawberry farms (laughs) that's going to start to add up right so back in 2000 oh boy 16 when i you know when the light bulb went off that's when you know Dollar Shave Club was really prominent, and you know you saw all the different mattress companies coming to market. I said, golf doesn't have a disruptive option, right? Sure, there's other direct-to-consumer brands, and they're great, and the major brands are great as well. They, everyone puts out a great product, but no one really was addressing value and quality and performance in their offering. Hence, that's how Cut Golf came to be. We're talking with Sam Uproposor and the founder of Cut Golf here with us in studio today. Sam, like, and, and that's a good point you bring up about the business and, and the industry of golf and how to compete on that front. But like, what have you found about playing? Like, like what makes the Cut Golf Ball a product that, like, hey, I, I do want to try to fire. Like, I still want to, like, even though I'm going to be pumping six into the bushes and losing them in the lake, like, I still want to compete. I still want a ball that's going to help me have as low a score as possible. So what is it about your golf ball that gives you guys, like, the, the edge and ability to do that? You know, look, when it comes to score, ability, performance on the course, quite honestly, that's on you, the golfer, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. you're a hell of a golfer, Nico, right? You told me yesterday you play to a 10. Yep. Um, this, you know, we, we're, golfers especially think there's a magic potion, you know, like I watch this YouTube video and I do this drill like five <laughs> times on the range and like I'm going to drop strokes like, you know, yeah. like a ton of bricks. It ain't going to happen. I mean, you could give me any. You could give me Tiger's bag tomorrow. I use this example a lot, and you know, I'm not going to put my my score is not going to mysteriously go down. If anything, I bet you if I play Tiger's bag, my score is going to go up. Sure. I, I mean, there's just no doubt that's going to happen, right? So, same thing. Give me the ball. Give me whatever it is. Another another way I put it is, you know, I, I happen to be a big F1 fan, right? You throw me in Lewis Hamilton's card tomorrow for the Grand Prix in Brazil. I mean, I'm putting that thing into a wall right now. <laughs> so, you know, so 
there's a there's a general misconception I believe in the industry that says equipment solves all. You want to drop your score? Go see your local tour pro or you know local pro yeah. at the at the course and, and get on the range and, and work on your game. But if we want to talk about product and how it does enhance your game or how it does help your game. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, a urethane golf ball is going to give you the greenside performance that you're going to demand, right? Title is tailor-made, calorie, et cetera. Once again, do a great job of putting out a great product. However, if you don't want to spend $35, $45, $50 a dozen, yeah, go down to you know the local Roger Dunn or Target or the website and pick up Cut Blue or Cut Gray for $19.95. Three-piece, four-piece urethane golf ball for twenty dollars, right, yeah. and it's going to give you that greenside performance that you expect as a ten handicap, right up your alley. The the more sophisticated golfer, I yeah. mean, what do you what do you play into these days? T- too low, non too low to gamble. <laughs> it's too low to gamble. <laughs> you know, and and I want to kind of back you on the point you you made about players. I used to do a lot of testing with you know Cleveland golf back in the day with Hopkins, and we talk about forging versus. Um, cast irons and he always brought up the point he's like you, you can't tell the difference it's all audio I'm like what do you mean it's all audio he goes go hit golf balls and put earplugs on and I did and I couldn't tell and I do a little writing for uh, Golf Monthly it's a UK publishing um, company and I did a lot of golf ball testing with a lot of off the wall golf balls and I sort of implemented the same thing I put like earplugs on to go testing around the greens and you really couldn't tell the difference because feel is directly correlated to sound, right? So if you have complete, you know, noise canceling headphones on, you're not going to be able to tell the difference between honestly, like a Pinnacle and a, a, a Chrome Soft, like one of the really soft feel golf balls, like a Serling cover ball. Well, I'll just say this, just you know, from what I play, I I, I can tell the difference when I'm playing a urethane ball. So when I when I'm playing a, a urethane four piece golf ball, I, I can tell, I can tell I'm playing something. But other than that. The, dis- the, the difference between if I'm going to play a, a distance ball or a soft ball, it could be pretty much anything, and I can't tell. Maybe other people can, but at least for me, like that's that's I'm kind of limited in that regard. Is that stuff that you found? Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the th- you know what the what the frustrating thing is is there are so many guys I'll go out and play casual around with. Yeah. And by the way, I don't ever tell anybody what I do or about the company. Like I'm just. The guys I play with will tend to be the promoters, and I okay. like I when I go play like we went and played. Mm-hmm. I just want to be another guy in the in the force, yeah. right? Like I just want to hang out with you. I'm not going to gamble with you. I might <laughs> no, try you to take you want to, you'll take all my money. Trust me. But I might try to take your money and let's have you know let's have some fun and and, and grab a great bite after and, and call it a day. Right. The frustrating thing is is I, I kid you not. I don't know how many guys I played play a pro v1x or a tp5 at right mm-hmm. once again that's not they're they're bad for playing that product the guy might be in his mid 60s late 70s yeah. that swing speed's going to come down next thing i'm like he's like oh i'm losing a ton of distance it's my ball it's like no it's your ball selection right so you back to your point about the distance ball right so we gotta you know we gotta get people playing the right ball for their swing speed their ability, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. It's not like, hey, Justin Thomas plays this ball, therefore I have to play it, right? Yeah, th- those guys over there would like you to think that, but 
fine. If you're a Titleist guy, there's plenty of golf balls in their lineup that will that will give you the performance right. that's suited for your game. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's just that's an interesting point. And I do think, I mean, we, we talk so much on this show about the mental game, which I think is fitting because golf is, is so mental and so cerebral when you're going about it. I do think that there is a thought when you're playing with a particular brand that you think the ball is going to do different things that it may or may not actually do. I know, I know, I know. If I'm, if I'm 80 yards out and I got a lob wedge and I'm getting ready to to, to fire one in, hey, I'm playing a pro V. How oh, I know, I know what this thing's gonna do. I feel good. But it, it I, to a certain point, as long as I'm playing again, I want to, I want to compete for for my swing speed. I like playing a urethane cover golf ball. I I, I like that I, I can get a fair amount of performance. But the real intricacies, I do have a hard time finding the difference there. One thing, and I'm not sure if you're the first one to do this, but one unique component of your golf ball that I found was that the one I have tried before was a uh, there was a matte finish, like a flat white finish, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, were you guys the first ones to do that or no? No, no. I mean, we, we I'd like to take the credit for it. Yeah. But no, I mean, it'd, it'd be completely. It was just cool. But... It was just different, and I liked it. Yeah, I mean, the first mover on that was Volvic. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Volvic was the first mover. The Vice has done it. I mean, now we all do, right? Callaway, Wilson. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's got a mat ball. And actually, I would tell you, for the more, you know, for your older demographic golfer, I would say, yeah, that's that's a good ball for, for that person to play. One, we get, you know, more senior golfers saying, I like it because I can see it, hmm. right? Because you get the vibrant orange, the yellow. Believe it or not, pink sells like hotcakes as well. But a lot of those guys, right out of the gate, they'll say, I play this ball because I can actually find it, right? And then I go, well, it's actually, believe it or not, it's actually the, the right ball that you should be playing. Because yeah. huh. they, they, then they go, but it performs for me. It's like, yeah, it does. It's designed and, for that. Yeah. And, sure. and, and golf balls are, it's a very personal thing. Yeah. It is. I mean, I, I played Strixon for a long time because Cleveland was no sponsor of mine. And when I put like a Titleist ball down, I'm like, it doesn't feel right. Or if I put, you know, I used to play Max Flies as a kid because Greg Norman was my idol and Max Fly was the ball to play. So it is a very personal thing. Guys, I play TaylorMade, stick to TaylorMade, and people like the branding behind it. So Cut Golf, I remember when I played your guys' golf ball for um, a good couple of weeks, and it was like a new ball. It was kind of a cool logo. It was something different and unique, and it becomes like a personal branding thing. And the performance was there. I enjoyed it. Do you guys, and a question I have for you is, do you look to compete with the big brands or are you looking just do you like where you're at or what's kind of the vision forward going with cut yeah that's a great question like do you um, want to find a guy on tour to play your ball no okay no because then the economics get completely yeah, blown correct. up right and uh, you know i always said I, of course you know you're a greg norman guy i'm a tiger guy um and i always said you know if tiger ended up on our doorstep tomorrow We'd bring him in, hang out with him, and politely tell him to be on his way, right? Because we could, we can never, we can never afford it, or we'd have to raise our prices up to like twenty five, thirty dollars. Not even that. Yeah. If, you know, it's just not sustainable business model at that point. So, one thing that we were very clear on when we started the company was this can't look, sound, and feel like all the guys, you know, all the other guys yeah. in the room, right? Because I think that would just defeat the purpose. I. You know, we've had a lot of success in the big box channels, a lot of success at, you know, worldwide golf. And I would attribute a lot of that to just our non-traditional packaging, 
right? I mean, if you ever see the box, it just kind of screams out at you. And it says something as simple as this ball goes far, right? And I remember when they asked me, they're like, you got to come up with a concept for this packaging. Yeah. And I was I, I mean, it was, it was a joke. I mean, I made it as a joke because what do all golfers want? They want a bar ball that goes far yeah. and feels good. Well, here, I'm telling you what's inside this box. <laughs> right. It's so, it, it's so funny you bring that up because I was texting a buddy of mine and I said, hey, we're going to have Sam from Cut Golf on tomorrow. We're going to talk to him. He's like, he goes, I've never played the golf ball. He goes, but I love the packaging. It's really, he goes, yeah. like, I, he knew the box. He didn't know the golf ball. He knew the box. And I'm like, well, mate, you're going to have to go give it a shot and go play. And I do think that that is one thing that you have kind of created. I think it's a cool brand. I, I think it, I think it's hip. I think people enjoy it. I think that there is a certain niche community that is into it. And I'm, I'm, I'm falling in love. Like, the more I'm learning about your product, the more personally I'm falling in love with it. And I guess... I, my question for you was going to be, how how can you do it without giving away you know all the business secrets? But but seriously, like when like how are you able to put together a golf ball that performs like all the others and do it at such a dramatically discounted price? It, it's uh, is is it purely just not going after the tour space? A lot of that, and it's it's also you know we'll thank our alma mater, right, Chapman, That's right. for making us into, go Panthers, in, yeah, in a, in a you know pretty decent business people, et cetera, so on and so forth. But it's really, when when people say, well, how did you come with the name Cut? And I say, well, we, we started cutting a lot of the fat out of the process, right? And from the onset, we always knew that there was a path, the path to success was through volume, right? And through volume, you need to make sure that you do have the Targets and the Walmarts and the Roger Dunn's and the Greengrass accounts and your e-commerce and the Amazon's everything's got to pump. Yeah. Right? So we knew, you know, keep expenses down, run, a, you know, find the best way to run a sustainable business. Um and and really just make sure that you cut out all those inefficiencies. So through that, it's we've been able to to really find a way to run a sustainable business. Uh, just the one, I, I don't mean to cut you off, yeah. but the first you've said one incorrect thing today. Uh, we are not both great businessmen. <laughs> you you are a good businessman. I am a, a sports talk radio host, and this is all I can do. So thank goodness <laughs> I have the chance to do this. I can't sell anything. So good on you. And I just I just try to compete on the golf course and and try to hopefully take advantage of Nico's really really low handicap and my uh, i'm trying to raise my handicap as high as possible to go make a buck off of nico on the golf course uh sam this is it's it's really fun having you here okay so just layman's terms i'm going i'm going to go to roger dunn i'm going to go pick up some golf balls um what am i looking for what are the different what you guys have a lot of different products um maybe like what what do you have targeted for you know the the consumer that High swing speed, mid, low, yep. different ages. What, what am I? If I'm going into Roger Dunn to go, I, I like your product, uh, Sam. I like hearing from you. I want to go play a cut golf ball. I'm going to go buy it. What am I looking for? So right now, if you're going into Roger Dunn specifically, since they're right down the road from us, I would say if you have a high swing speed, if you want something that's going to give you a little bit more spin, find the find Cut DC. Right. So that is at a twenty nine ninety five price point. Why is it a higher price point? Well, it has a dual core construction, right? So it's a four-piece urethane golf ball. Um, if you're looking for something that's a little bit lower compression, um, maybe has something that's going to feel a little bit more like the Pro V, 
or a tour response or you know something in the Bridgestone line, I would say, yeah, I'd go with like cut gray, right? Three piece urethane golf ball, 1995, and then you know our best selling golf ball, and I think it mostly has to do with the fact that it was our first tour quality golf ball, um, is cut blue, and that retails at 1995. That is a four piece construction, right, with the urethane cover. Um, but it doesn't have the dual core. It has two mantles, um, so it's going to give it a little bit firmer feel. Um, I tend to see, find that I personally don't spin the blue as much as, say, the gray. And, I mean, just full disclosure, I personally just, like, the DC just doesn't suit me. You know, mm. so you have to learn what ball suits you, right? I mean, it's not, I mean, if it works for you and it works for you, it doesn't necessarily mean it applies to me. And I think a lot of folks, you know, possibly in your audience might not understand that that concept. Sure. Um, you know, and it's a lot of it is just the fact that there's not a lot of education on golf product, period. You know, everything is so marketing driven. Play this, it'll just make it magically go further. No, that's it, not happening. Unfortunately, I've become very cynical towards golf marketing over the last six years now. Yeah. Um, and like I said, just right out of the gate, like if I wanted to get good, you know, I'm going to hit up Nico and like, hey, tell me like what pro should I go see? <laughs> sure. You know, and like, yeah, I'll go see the guy. I mean, I mean, there's plenty of great instructors in this area and that's really where you're gonna that's where you're gonna improve your game. Have, have you guys ever thought about making Sterling covered golf balls? Or do you make a Sterling covered? We, we do. You do? Yeah, the, that map ball that we were talking yeah, about. That's that's, a, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, that's a Sterling golf ball. Um and then you know, basically, it's becoming our second best selling ball right now. I, I like the Sterling covered golf balls because they're very soft. Okay. So I play when I play hickory golf. I yeah. use Sterling covered golf balls. So you, you don't worry about losing distance? No, because they're not going very far, anyways. Yeah. Um, and again, it's more about the, the preserving the equipment, and it just feels really good. I mean, when you're playing a shaft that's 100 years old on a little thin blade head, I just want something that's soft. Like I've hit whatever Pro V's or any tour type of golf ball with hickories, and it feels like it's going to crack the head. They're almost too firm, and the Sterling ones are just really nice. Like, and my dad's a perfect example of. A client, like he'd, he'd be out there buying Pro V's. I'm like, what are you doing? You hit it 180 yards. Why are you playing Pro V's? He's like, oh, I like it around the green. I'm like, you, no, you don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> you can go right. play. Yeah, I'll go stamp any golf ball, you know, with whatever the Tylus logo, and you won't know the difference. So I think you guys have, have done a great job of finding this kind of market that, and again, with cool branding and a good product, people are going to enjoy it. And your local Southern California, I think that's. You know, that green grass, you know, system of getting guys to play. Like Trent was saying, you're, you're a Chapman guy, you're an Orange County guy. And there's there's a lot to that. Yep. People have pride in where they're from and pride in playing the products that are kind of homegrown. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean there's so many up-and-coming golf brands around here, right? I mean, obviously, it's the home to Travis Matthews. It's the home to, like, basically the whole golf industry. But look at, you know, just look at the guys that, over at Palm and what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, minimal golf is up the road. I mean, I mean, there's like a lot of cool niche golf brands that are coming out of this area, which is, is really cool to see. It is fun. Uh, going back real quick to something that you just said, Nico, like, you know, because I, I mentioned like worrying about, you know, the, the distance and, you know, if I'm playing too soft a golf ball. I think there's a lot of people that maybe hit the ball pretty good, uh, hit the ball pretty well, excuse me, I don't want to get corrected on my grammar here, hit the ball well, and maybe they, they, get, they get a fair amount of distance, but hey, okay, I want to play the softest golf ball I can play because around the greens, that's where I need the help. Have you? Is that, is that the right thought process? Is that? I guess this is a question for both of you because 
think, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to hit a drive. I'm okay if it goes 270. I'm used to hitting it 280, but if I give up 10 yards, I'd rather get it for extra spin around the greens. Is that something that is like considered with the golf ball? Yeah, I'll, 100%. You know, and, and I can give a very simple example. I played a, uh, an alternate shot tournament with a good friend of mine, Jordan Ash, who played golf at USC. And he, you know, I don't really care. I'm like, I'll play whatever ball you want to play. <clears throat> He's like, all right, let's play the TaylorMade TP5X. And I've always heard that that ball, like the wind doesn't touch it. And I remember hitting shots into the wind, and they go through the wind. And I was like airmailing greens, hmm. and I didn't like that at all because I'm used to the ball. When I feel wind, it's going to have a little effect on the ball. Of course. And this thing was ripping through it, and I just couldn't get that through my brain. So, And then you go back to the Sterling cover ball. I don't care about losing 5, 10 yards on the tee shot because that's not so important to me right now. What's important to me is from 120 yards in around the green with Hickory Golf. Because yes. a driver has got to knock it out there somewhere. And, and with golf in general, you know, I hit it far enough. I don't need another 10 yards. I'm more concerned about how does it play in the wind and how does it perform around the green and the scoring shots. Yes. Okay. Because yeah, <laughs> well, that's no. exactly what my I, – I have had this debate forever. I'm like, I don't care if I lose a few extra yards. Okay, i got to hit an 8-iron instead of a 9-iron. Like, I'll be okay. I care a lot more about what i got going on around the green. That, that's absolutely right. I mean, it, everything is from 180 yards in. Yeah. What's it going to do, you know, green side – because that's where we score, right? I mean, that's that's really where you're, you know. I trust me. I, I miss fairways like crazy, right? Then the next thing is like, how close can I get it to the green? And then, yeah. you know, I, you know, am I obviously these days? By the way, I, I don't know if you guys are seeing this, but if you want to preserve your game or improve your game, don't get in the golf industry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, good industry friend of mine told me that you know <laughs> when I started it, and I was like, all right, all right, whatever. And I haven't touched a golf club in mm, almost six weeks. Now. See, like this <laughs> yeah. is this is like that's like that's very disappointing. That's just we got to get Sam. We, you got you got to find time. It's hard though. I trust. I know it's hard to find time. Well, hey, when we find that uh, property and build our nine hole short golf, that's course, right. We got to do that. And cut and makes limited flight golf balls. You know, came there's we talked about a couple weeks ago that Nicholas in the 60s or 70s or maybe in the 80s created was called the Cayman golf ball, and this ball went a third of the distance of normal golf balls, and it was going to be used on short golf courses because right. of the lack of land. And I'm like, we should you, you can build a great 18 year old golf course in the middle of the city here with a little piece of land oh, and have a golf ball that reacts properly, but you know your driver is going to go 100 yards. Right. But it moves. You can cut it. You know, kind of like the wiffle ball stuff. Yep. I think people get a kick out of that. That'd, so there you go. That'd be wild. He, he's Sam Weeprapasorn, who's been hanging out with us. He's the founder of Cut Golf. Sam, hey, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate the time today. I'm excited uh, about your product. If you guys haven't uh, had a chance to go play a Cut Golf Ball yet, go do it. You said available Roger Dunn. Where, where else can we get it? Roger right? Dunn, Target, Walmart, All um, okay. Amazon, and, of course, you know, our website. So. Yeah, so that means uh, go to the website first. Go check out Cut Golf. Really appreciate Sam uh, for taking that time with us. All right, now I want to take you to another day where I was particularly salty. I, I played that morning and was just absolutely atrocious and was ready to quit the game of golf. So figured I might as well share this with you. How many times have you quit the game? I was ready to quit today. I ended up salvaging some things later on. But I was, I was ready to quit today. I'm Trent Rush. We got Nico Bellini. Nico's actually a good golfer, but I bet he's quit before too. Um, I think it's just a kind of a rite of passage in this game. Listen, my entry, or sorry, my exit from the game of golf as a professional was sitting on a five-star resort on the coast in Morocco telling myself, I hate this game. I hate this game. <laughs> yeah. 
Meanwhile, my friends and family is like, how do you hate this game? You're yeah. sitting at this five-star resort yeah. overlooking the you know Atlantic Ocean in a beautiful ancient city. I'm like, yeah, I hate it. You know why? Because I can't hit a six iron. It's like, well, who, cares? <laughs> who cares about the six iron? Like, How about life? How about culture? But I was so ingrained to the game, right, that yeah. and you just hate it. I couldn't do anything right. How many of you out there right now have been in a spot where, you know, the first hole, okay, maybe you're lined up a little bit wrong. And then you're, you're still getting warmed up on the second hole. And then you hit, okay, one bad shot turns into a bogey, uh, but then you miss the putt, and now it's a double. And now all of a sudden the brain starts to drift. So by the time you get to, like, the seventh hole, you're barely making contact because there's so many things going on in your head. I, I would love to think that I'm the only person that's ever experienced this, but I know you have. I, I know you listening right now have been through this because I've seen you play. But the reality is... That happened to me today. I was on fire. Now, again, by my standards, <laughs> I've had like 10 straight rounds where I was better than the time I played before that. And it all got reset on one Saturday morning. Beautiful. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing how that can happen. Well, and you start putting pressure on other parts of your game. So for you, whether it be your tee shots, your iron shots, short game, putting, whatever it is, chipping, when you know there's a, a, a weakness, right, a kink in the armor, yeah. you start putting more pressure on your irons. Say, example, man, I don't feel good with the putter today. The iron play now needs to be more specific and more dialed in. Because if you don't hit a good iron shot, you're going to have more pressure on your putting. So now what happens? Your iron play gets bad yeah. because you got too much pressure on your iron play. They're like, man, i got to hit fairways because if I don't hit fairways, i got an iron play. All of a sudden it creeps into all facets of the game. And now, now you're in full meltdown mode. Double Palomas at the turn. Full meltdown mode. Yeah, you know, I probably should have gone that route. I, I at the turn, I I just pressed through. <laughs> uh, I should have taken a I should have taken a spot uh, to to just relax for a minute. You know what? You know what's too. It's funny. The only saving grace for me, I, I, I promised when I talked about the show, I wasn't going to talk about my game. But like the one saving grace was, I had a putt. I was playing with my boss that I needed to make sure that I do not miss this putt because I was trying to carry my teammate who I work for. Um. I focused, I got dialed in, I drained that putt. And it got me to thinking, the two times where I play well, when I'm dialed in and really paying attention, I, I, you can, I think you can play pretty well. If your game is going right and you're, you're you know, not over-focusing, there's, there's over-focusing, but to a degree, you're kind of locked in, you're paying attention to what you're trying to do. And then when you're, like when I'm completely loose, then that, that's usually okay too because I have zero pressure. Like I'm just hitting the ball. It's fine when you're in a scramble. Like you're playing on in these Monday, Monday scramble tournaments. Totally loose. When you're in that little in-between phase where you're kind of loose but you, you still want to do well, that's where disaster happened. That's what I ran into today. So this morning I played early as well and had a really good game. He, I played with the general manager of uh, Monarch Beach who's a member at Santa Ana. Um, I played with a guy uh, who played – College golf at Kansas, great mid-amateur player. But we don't gamble much. It was like a very low stakes. We were doing dollar sure. skins. And we were playing fast. So when you play fast, you play loose because you have no time to think over the shot, to overthink it. Then you fall into that in-between stage like you're talking about. You're not, it's not the U.S. Open. It's not the club championship. Yeah. But it's also not a hit and giggle. Eh, it's kind of serious. You kind of want to make it, but you don't really know. You're not playing fast because, you know, you want to have fun, but you want to play in the game seriously. You're in this gray area. But when you're playing loose, I used to always watch Lee Trevino videos. Because when Lee, there's a great video of him at Augusta, hole number 12, where he's sitting there, and it's all live. There's no cutoff in the uh, recording of the shot. He's watching somebody from 11 hit, and you see him sitting there waiting to hit because the ball lands on the green, and he waits for the, the crowd to kind of give their clap and move on. And all of a sudden, the ball hits, and he looks over to his caddy. What's the number? 165. 
pulls out the eight. He takes 15 seconds over the shot at number 12 at Augusta, and this is about a foot. And right, that's a great refresher of like how the game can be played. And I was actually watching one the other night of Lee playing this celebrity match in Scotland. So it was Lee Trevino and I'm drawing a blank versus Sean Connery and another famous actor. Oh, Lee and Young Sevy. Okay, wow. Lee wow. and Young Sevy at Glen Eagles in Scotland playing Sean Connery and another old kind of English actor, footballer. And Lee, the entire time, is talking over his ball and w- discussing with the crowd his shots he's going to hit. He gets over to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch this one down. I'm going to flight it low left. It's going to land about 20. And he hits it. <laughs> and he does exactly what, oh, man, it was, it was a blessing to watch, man. I love watching that kind of stuff. That's so beautiful. That's so good. But, you know, it's funny, like, you try everything. When, when, it's, when it's not going right, you pull out all the stops. I tried taking my time. I tried speeding up. I, you know, you, okay, where, how am I aligning? I, I'm going back to basic fundamentals. You're trying to do everything. Then you get to the turn, and you think, okay, hey, let's flush that nine. Time to start over. You know what? I want to know. I, I've, I've, I've met like five people, and they're all professional athletes, that I think that have the mental fortitude to be able to do that. The people I see out there on Saturdays, the people I play with, I don't know a soul that can play nine holes, flush it, and go play a fresh nine to be good. I've never seen it. You always tell yourself you can do it. I have never seen it. I always think there's a weird cadence to golf. And I used to give my uncle a hard time. And I think a lot of players deal with this. You get to the golf course, you're feeling good, you're ready to go play. You play a one, two, three, or one, two, and you're feeling good, and you're feeling the spirits, you get a couple good shots. But then you hit this lull of holes four to like 13 where you're in the middle yeah, of the round yeah, yeah, yeah. you're you are a long way from starting and kind of a long way from finishing and you're just sort of check out a little bit and that's typically where the ruts happen and then you get to the last three or four holes like all right lunch is right around the corner <laughs> a post-round cocktail yeah. then you kind of joke with your partners all right hey let's, let's double down on those last three holes and you all of a sudden you feel good again about the game but golf takes a long time so those middle chunks of the round i think you kind of lull yourself into sleep and that's where the bad stuff happens. By the way, Nico, uh, I love. Not only we're we talking about, you know, you playing Santa Ana Country Club. Now you're rocking a Virginia Country Club hat in studio today. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, shout out Jamie Mulligan. That's the, hey, that. That that is. Uh, there are just there's so many like cool classic courses that are in Southern California. So Virginia, I played the SEJ Amateur there earlier this summer, and it was pretty neat. Where where, you know, Southern California golf. California golf in general, right? It kind of came of age with carts, right? So during the 60s and 70s, you know, a lot of the clubs started putting in cart paths because, you know, it's technology moving forward and et cetera. But at Virginia, there's a few holes that the car pass kind of in the way. And they repaved it with this type of polymer that the ball does not bounce. So if you guys have ever played Virginia Country Club, hole number seven is a great par three from the back tees about 230. But there's a car path to the right of it that's sort of in play. You, you want to aim there because there's water left. And this new car path, the ball does not bounce. You can sit there with all your force and throw the ball as hard as you can into the ground, and it doesn't bounce. It was kind of neat, but Jamie's got such a great culture and a great environment at the club that can produce fantastic players. Because I know you've mentioned it before, if you want to get better at this game, you got to hang out with guys that are better than you. Yeah. And you just through osmosis, absorb their little mannerisms, their little techniques. Um, there's a girl I played golf with at USC, Veronica Felibert, who plays now in the Symmetra. She's played on the LPGA Tour for many years. She's a stick. And I'll go out there with her a few times, Peter Tomasulo, 
Cantley, John Mallinger, John Cook, Paul Goidos, Luke List. It goes on and on, and it's a great environment, great hang, but, you know. You know what's cool about golf, too, is the number of different tours you're talking about. I want, I want to talk later in the show about Greg Norman's tour and what he's got going on. Uh, but the APGA tour is really cool, the Advocates uh, Professional Golfers Association tour. And it's pretty neat because it's giving a lot of people uh, opportunities in the game that really haven't existed uh, before. And this was focused on minorities. And there are some really good players on this tour uh, Michael Herrera is one of them, and, and Michael has had a lot of success. He won at Carlsbad last January. He's getting set. They're back in Southern California playing at Wilshire this weekend at a big event there. Uh, all kinds of good stuff. A lot of opportunities to get onto the PGA Tour, and uh, we're hoping to have Michael joining us uh, coming up in a moment because that's one of the beautiful things about this game are the opportunities that exist and, and different ways to go about uh, doing that. But, uh, hey, there's a lot of different paths to the PGA Tour. And, we, you know, hey, let's be honest. We have not seen a whole lot of minorities, especially before Tiger, get opportunity. And now there is something pretty special here. And I'm looking forward to talking to Michael uh, coming up in a moment. He's also hooked up with Ronnie Lott, uh, Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott. And uh, Ronnie and I, uh, we – he has his lot impact trophy, and uh, I, I'm fortunate to get to be on the board there to help out uh, with that every college football season here on a college football Saturday. We'll have to ask Michael about uh, Ronnie uh, coming up uh, here in a bit. But we got Michael Herrera on the, on the phone now. Uh, Michael, first of all, congratulations on all your success to this point, getting set uh, for the tournament this weekend uh, here in Southern California. Uh, just wanted to check in and see how you're doing, man. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, just uh, just got back from Mexico, did the uh, Mayakoba Monday qualifier. So went out there. Um, didn't have the greatest game, but, you know, being in Mexico and these great resorts, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then I got the chance to play in the Pro-Am on Tuesday. So that was a great time with Willie Mack and a lot of other, other guys. Um, so, you know, I'm doing good. Just excited to be here. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, having you in Southern California this weekend. Uh, what can you tell us about your experience being a part of the APGA and, and getting to play? I'm looking at the, the, the courses that you guys get to play. There are some awesome tracks uh, on your tour. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, The tour has really come a, a long way. Uh, we're playing a lot of Team C golf courses. We're doing, uh, we did Valhalla this year. Uh, got to play far, uh, the Torrey Pines at Farmer. So, uh, the the APGA has been doing uh, huge, huge things. Uh, we got to do the Billy Horse Show this year, so thanks to Billy and all his sponsors. And um, because of the APGA tour, I got to do a couple of celebrity events, and I got to, that's where I got to meet Ronnie Lott, my sponsor, um, uh, Tracy Toyota, all these people. They're all because of the APGA tour. You know, without them putting their foot forward and pushing pushing the envelope to give us a, a good platform, um, we wouldn't be having these, these great great opportunities. So I'm really excited to. to just tee it up this Monday at Wilshire and uh, see what I can do. All right. Well, I got some golf questions for you we're going to get to in a moment. But first, I want to talk about getting hooked up with Ronnie Lott, playing with him at a celebrity event. First of all, I think Ronnie Lott is the single greatest motivator I have ever been around. And he gets in, he gets in that mode sometimes when he flips the switch and gets into, you know, pure football man and leader I can't imagine what it's been like in the huddle when playing his playing days. Uh, but for you, what, what's your relationship like, and how was that first encounter when you got to know Ronnie Lott? Uh, it was great. So you, I was in drives on hole two um, at uh, I think it was Spanish Hills, 
So he came up to me and you know, he introduced himself, I introduced myself. And we had some time to talk since we we're waiting for the next group to clear the fairway. And, you know, he, he asked me about my story, how I'm playing all these events, you know, how am I paying for all this. And um, he really took an interest in what I had to say and, and what I was doing and my accomplishments. So um, it was great. And he took initiative and he wanted, he wanted to sponsor me. And he told me he was going to that day. And um, he gave me a call two weeks after. And, you know, the ball started rolling. So, uh, you know, being in this corner, having Trace Toyota uh, and all their team, Grace, um, his team's great. And so it's it's been amazing. And the things he's done for me um, helped me get with Titleist and all these other people. So he's he's pushing the envelope for me. And uh, it's just it's an amazing opportunity. And you know, I got to thank the APJ Tour as well for putting me in that position so I can be there to meet him. And, you know, being in this corner, it's great. And, you know, taking – um, getting to pick his brain a little bit on, you know, how he thought about uh, football and trying to add that to golf, it's, it's been amazing. You know, we hear the war stories all the time from Nico about being a professional golfer, and, you know, Nico's played all over the world. And, um, I, I, you know, you, you talk about you know, telling Ronnie your story. What is your story? I mean, is, is the APGA where you're spending most of your time? Are you playing on other tours, playing in other places? Like, how, how is your game just on, on a year-to-year basis? Where are you at and kind of how are you going about trying to become a PGA Tour player? Yeah, so I, I spend most of my time on the APGA Tour. Um, and then I do – the state open, so I qual- this year I qualified for the Arizona Open. I won the qualifier, and then I got a top five um, in- at the Arizona Open. And then chasing uh, a couple Mondays when I when I had the funds to, I uh, thanks to APJ Tour, they sent me out to Colorado to do their the Corn Ferry Monday there. I shot, I think, two under, missed it by a couple. Um, and then, so my story really starts with, with college golf. I played at a JUCO at Riverside City College. I played basketball and golf. Uh, basketball was my first sport, and that was my first love. And the, the my my coach, Coach Matthews, Phil Matthews, uh, he introduced me to Ken Bentley, which is the CEO of the APGA Tour. So he, he found out I play golf, and he said, hey, I have a guy who, who runs a, a tour. I want you to meet him. And so um, we got connected. Uh, Ken actually brought me out to Wilshire. That's where I met him for the first time. And um, so Ken saw, uh, you know, I had a little bit of talent. I could play a little bit. So he, he told Coach Matthews, you know what, uh, that I have a good chance of making it on the tour, uh, that maybe golf should be my only focus. So I, I finished my first year playing basketball at Riverside City. Uh, we did pretty well in, in the golf aspect. And then uh, Coach Matthews and I had a talk, and he said, you know, Ken said you have a, a real good chance of making it on the tour. Um, I think I, he wants my folks to be fully on golf. So um, that was a tough pill to swallow just because how much love I have for basketball. Yeah. But um, I think it was a great decision. And, you know, now I see that it was a great decision. At the, at you know, the heat of the moment, I wanted to play another year. Um, but uh, Coach Matthews, you know, really, really pushed me to play golf, and I thank him for it now. And so I started uh, playing these. I didn't. I don't really do the Golden State Tour events. Um I just do more of the big, the big qualifiers and the big state opens. Sure. Um, I went. I did Jamaica Open the past year. I did pretty well there. Finished sixth. Um, but the my main goal is to to play very well in the APJ Tour and be ready. Have my game peaking towards uh, Corn Ferry Q School and um, Form Tour Q School. So um, this year I I didn't have the the funds to sign up for Corn Ferry, although my game was trending well. 
Um, so I'm just looking forward to a good 2022 year on the APGA Tour, play a couple of side events, a couple of Mondays, see what I can do there, and have my game peaking towards Corn Ferry Q School. Michael, this is Nico. I got a couple of questions. Um, well, n- not questions more so than just sage you know, words of wisdom I received uh, a few times. And, and one of them being is the more you play, right, the more competitive and the more reps you get under your belt. So one day I was sitting there having a, uh, a drink. I was having lunch with Jamie Mulligan out of Virginia, and he sort of asked me, hey, well, what are you playing these days? I'm like, well, I'm getting ready to go to Europe, but for right now, these, these few months, not much really. And he goes, you know, Luke Donald is currently the number one player in the world. This one I was playing. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know, he's played in about 16 events so far. And of those 16 events, these are 16 tour events with a major or a WGC dotted in there. And in those four-day events, there's two pro-ams. So he's basically going six days of golf at the highest level possible. And he goes, how many rounds have you played in the last two months? Tournament rounds. I'm like, oh, gosh. Three? He goes, exactly. Do you think you're getting closer or do you think you're getting further away from Luke Donald? And that resonated. So... The moral of the story is the more rounds and the more reps you can get under your belt, the better. So play the APG events and then play the side events. I mean, treat it as, as a Monday through Friday business. And the more experience, because all you got to do is win. You win no matter what level. I'm telling you, whether it's a tiny one-day bow tour event or the APG, a win's a win. No matter what level it is, it's hard. And when you learn how to win, man, it feels good. So that's kind of like my only, without knowing you and, and, and never meeting, but I, I'm sure we know a lot of mutual people, um, getting those reps under and winning at any level is a huge for, for the confidence. And I know it'll kind of prepare you for the stages like the Corn Ferry and one day hopefully the tour. And don't be afraid to go to Europe. Don't be afraid to go to Europe. Right. I did it. I loved it. It's a little easier. That's my secret. It's a little easier <laughs> out there um, than the U.S. tour. I mean, you see the scores of Corn Ferry. They're freaking 30 under par. Yeah. You know, you go out to Europe. Yeah, yeah. So well, I wish you luck, man. I wish you luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's good stuff there uh, for Nico. Before we let you go, uh, Michael, I, I wanted to, you know, you mentioned your, your basketball career and, you know, Riverside City College has had some, you know, I know that their old coach, John Smith, was there for a long time and he's coaching up at uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo now, is a longtime assistant at Cal State Fullerton. But, uh, you know, he has always had so many great basketball players. What were some of the things you felt like you were able to learn from your basketball career that you think might have been able to help you now as a professional golfer? Um, I think just having the grit and um, not being intimidated by anybody. You know, you, you get out here on the golf course and, Sometimes you see guys, you know, milk it down the fairway, you know, 330, 340. Um, and, you know, I would think some, some people get intimidated by that. Maybe I'm not long enough. Maybe I need to get longer. Um, but I think basketball, I think it, the competitive juices I get in basketball, I try to bring to the golf course as much as I can. Um, I try to stay very, very focused. One thing I never really liked about the mini tour um, stuff was that you have to ride in golf carts and, Sometimes you're riding with the guy you're competing against, and, you know, there's a little bit too much chit-chat going on. Yeah. Um, you know, and when you're trying to, you know, you're trying to stomp on this guy's neck. So um, I try to carry a very, a very strong attitude uh, when it comes to posture, um, how fit I am. I like to work out a lot. I feel like it gives me an edge, a mental edge um, on the golf course. And so, you know, I I think uh, being that competitive, at, even though it's at a JUCO level, I mean, you're, you're playing against 25, 20 six-year-olds who still think they have a chance, you know, to make their dream happen. 
and I'm 18, 19, you know, still not fully grown in. So you got to, you got to hold your own. And I see golf in the same way. Um, I try to get out there. I know I have a lot to learn, but I know I have a lot to give as well. And I have a lot of um, assets where I can, I can show the level of golf I can play. I, I've seen it. Um, so, you know, you get in a, in a state of mind where you're almost unconscious on the golf course. You're kind of just watching yourself play. And in, in basketball, it's the same way when there's a clutch moment. You kind of, it's kind of an out-of-body experience where you know, you're kind of watching yourself do it, and then it just happens. You, know, you, you go back to all the hours of work you put on the putting green or uh, shooting a 1,000 shots or whatever it is. So I think my work ethic in basketball, translating the golf, has helped me uh, a tremendous amount. Yeah, really interesting points you make right there, Michael. Hey, I just want to say thank you so much for the time today. Really appreciate it. I'm excited for you. Congratulations on all the success so far. And, and we're looking forward to following your career and seeing what's next for you. So thanks again for the time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it, guys. All right, that's Michael Herrera getting set to play in the APGA Tour Farmers Insurance Fall Series Finale. It's at Wilshire Country Club coming up Monday and Tuesday. Forty-five grand at stake there, and a chance to get us some big-time events as well. So appreciate Michael Herrera for the time, Nico. As you're getting a chance to, you know, listen to him, and it, you know, probably takes you back, you know, twenty years thinking about when you were first coming up and trying to cut your teeth as a pro. What are some of your thoughts now as you think about you know this young crop of really talented, good young players coming up in pro golf? He made a comment that resonated, and that was sharing carts on the mini tours. I hated that. I hated sharing carts because, again, you're playing with your opponent, and you got to make small chit chat. So in the in the mini tours, right, it was always threesomes primarily, and there was always two carts. So somebody got their own cart and had their own little world. You could you know put your your snacks, your drinks, your yardage book, your laser. Then you had to go share a cart with somebody else. And that drove me nuts. I remember playing a tournament in the winter. So, like, during the off-season, I would play in a handful of mini-tours. And it'd be cold. So, it's 6 a.m., it's freezing cold. And I remember playing with a wily veteran. Um, and he would get out and walk. And I'm like, you, you, if I'm going to suffer, you're going to suffer. If I'm going to be in this cart and have to drive this thing in the cold, you better get back in the cart and be in the... Because no, uh, there was no plastic yeah. mirror on the front of the cart. So, it was freezing, but I had, somebody had to drive the cart. So he'd get out and start walking. To that's, war- that's not right. He's warming his hands up yeah, come and on doing that. I'm like, that's a complete BS. Get back in the cart. We're in this together now. So that was, it was little games like that that would. What were they concerned about the pace? No, I think it was just you know I don't know what it was. It was just I think maybe another revenue stream. They weren't free. We had to pay for them. You know, 15 bucks. But if you're that one guy walking, I remember a guy named Eric Mike Tree who was very very good. He was kind of a a mini tour legend. Won the Long Beach Open. Never quite made on tour, but he'd always walk no matter what. But I always kind of felt self-conscious when you have two guys in a cart and you're walking. Yeah. Now you're holding up play. Right, right. So you kind of had to fight the uphill battle, but I hated sharing carts. See, I think that walking is a part of the competition. Yes, I think that part I think, of the game. I think the endurance, because how many times have you seen, and I, I mean, I've seen a lot of scorecards. I, there are plenty of people that I have watched try to be you know, competitive golfers to make a living as a pro that can really play through 15. And then you get to 16, 17, 18, and then you start, you start to fade. I, and I always compare it to when you go to Disneyland. When you go to Disneyland, right, and you spend all day walking around, and you feel good. But then you kind of get back, and you sit in your car, and you realize, man, I am tired. Yeah. And you don't realize it, and that affects your game. And you're 100% right. It's, it's part of the game. You're taking a lot of steps. You're walking a few miles. You're getting in trouble. It's hot. You're raking your own traps. You're picking up your own back. It all adds up. 
So it's not, I, I never feel like it's a level playing field because yeah. you're right. Being in shape is another advantage that you can have to the game. So if I were to start a mini tour, I would make it walking only. Yeah, for sure. I think, 100% that, I think, walking I think only. it'd be a huge thing. Yeah. Um, we don't take a lot of calls or tweets live on this show, but we are broadcasting live from Angel Stadium uh, here in Anaheim at the moment. Uh, my buddy Jason just wrote in, and I have to I have to respond to this. It's too tempting for me to let it go. Um, if time permits, it'd be great if you could break down your chip-in birdie on six this morning <laughs> and how that set up your double on seven. <laughs> Hashtag rush on the links. Uh, <laughs> yes, I did have a pretty nice chip-in. Thank you for bringing that up on six. I hit my tee shot on the seventh hole at, at my Tustin Ranch this morning. Um, I, actually, I shouldn't have said that because I might have hit somebody. Mm-hmm. I missed my spot by 200 yards. Mm. It was un, I've never. It was the worst shot I've ever hit in my life. It makes, was, you, it makes you feel good about the game, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it makes you feel great. And then, but and then my but the other guy we were playing with, he birdies that seventh hole. He tops his drive on eight, and we were partners. It's like back to back birdies where your next drive just it's a disaster. That happens. I've seen it happen. It usually doesn't happen to me. But it happens. Especially against those double pane windows. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know what? I, I was fortunate, though. I think I missed all the windows. I landed on the front yard. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> land in the backyard. I landed on the front yard. <laughs> yeah, that was a miserable round of golf. I don't know why I decided to uh, relive that. Uh, my goodness gracious. You know what? Maybe I will go spend some more time with Lily Mae Rush and not worry so much about my handicap <laughs> moving forward. Um, want to thank uh, everybody at AM830 for all their hard work and helping us put this show together. Want to thank Sam and Michael uh, for coming on the show today. Want to thank Nico for all his hard work uh, here on Rush on the Link. So we are so lucky to have Nico Bellini and uh, really appreciate his contributions. Nico is fantastic. And we're excited for you as well because it's a happy new year and we have so many fun things coming up here on Rush on the Links. The West Coast Swing is coming to Southern California. It's my favorite time of year for golf when the pros come to SoCal and we are going to be with you for all of it. We're going to check out some of the great classic courses across Southern California as well. Dive into the history. Go exploring and see some of the neat places that are out there and help uh, maybe share uh, the experiences there and and maybe you can live vicariously through us as we try to, to bring you some of the great experiences experiences that you can find and maybe go find out some of your own and then let us know so we can live vicariously through you and enjoy this great game together i'd love to hear uh, where you like to play i'd love to hear if you got a track that's maybe an unknown place that you think hey this place is really cool people don't give it enough love send me a tweet at trent rush sports of course find us on instagram rush on the links uh, we'd love to get a chance to hear from you there and be able to keep this conversation going we have a lot of fun things planned for the new year and we cannot wait to share them with you. For all of us here at Rush on the Links, my name is Trent Rush. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you Saturday back on the radio on Angels Radio AM 830.